Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Midlife Theses podcast. I'm your host, Dieter Schwartz. In this episode, I'm very happy to welcome Cynthia Carr as my guest. She's an epidemiologist, owner, and principal consultant for Epi Research Incorporated. So fasten your seatbelts and buckle up as we go on a ride to the great white north. We'll wax poetically about Quattro Pro and where we'll see ourselves five years from now. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me here. We'll get right into it. And as they say on Breaking Bad, the first one's free. So I did introduce you with your title and uh, and your job and career and all that fun and good stuff. But I think, uh, you know, when I, uh, when I shared my trailer or my, uh, my first uh, opening with you, what caught your attention, and, and I think we both had similar experiences in life in that uh, we both encountered kind of a, um, a time in our life where introducing ourselves with our job title became a little more difficult or interesting. So here we are in uh, midlife and trying to introduce ourselves possibly in different ways and, and to talk about ourselves in new and interesting ways. So that was kind of the, the gist behind the catalyst of this podcast was to, yeah, to, uh, to see how we can uh, have a conversation without that being about work. I think that that is a really interesting concept. And here we are recording in April 2020 and the height of, uh, you know, this COVID-19 crisis and sub headlines that I had seen recently were exactly pertaining to this topic that, you know, with the economic impact, some people are or, or too many people perhaps are losing their jobs or downsizing and contemplating who am I outside of my job? So it's a very, very timely conversation. Yeah, and that is a question that many of us uh, struggle in answering. I, I certainly know I did when uh, when that time came in my life, and and it really made me look deep within and and try to figure out the answer to that question. That honestly, I did not have. Um, you know, I spent many years. I don't know if I want to use the word consumed by work, but certainly that would have been my, um, you know, principal task day in and day out was to to look after uh, keeping the lights on and, and bills paid. And when that changed and I literally found myself at a cocktail party and somebody asked me, what do you do? And I wanted to shout, I certainly was shouting on the inside why don't you ask me who I am? <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and part of that was because I honestly didn't have an answer. So, you know, t- tell me a little bit about, uh, I guess, your experience maybe to, to the extent that you want to get into it. And, uh, and, and maybe, you know, how we as, as, as humans, humans being um, can, can maybe change the way we have that conversation. And particularly in light of recent events that, you know, we may run into people that may not have an easy time answering this. Exactly. And myself, I've been in the workforce for about 25 years and a parent for about 20. So generally, when somebody says, you know, hi, how are you? My name is Joe. 
um, and I say, you know, I'm Cynthia, the next thing is typically, so what do you do? And do you have any kids? That's really our frame of reference. And those are easy segues, typically. Oh, I've got two kids, da-da-da, this one does this, this one does that. You can kind of link in there. And then, oh, what do I do for a living? I am. And instead of saying I work at, we typically say I am. I am a teacher. I am a nurse. I am a doctor. Um, We don't say I work at the school. So it just kind of becomes part of our lingo and part of, yeah, our idea. This is who I am. So if you said to me, you know, what do you do? And I had just been through a crisis where I'm actually not doing much paid work. I almost felt a sense of shame. Even though Mm. I'm still Cynthia, I'm still mom. I still have two great kids. I still have all of the heart and soul and things that matter to me, but my business isn't booming. For the first time in my life, I was in a situation where um, I had run a consulting company that consumed me to a point that was not healthy, probably worked 12, 14, easily hours a day, easily, and loved it energized by it, energized by the running between the kids and their activities and work and meetings and back to work and back to this and back to that. I was proud of how much I would juggle. And I would almost say gleefully, oh, crazy busy, crazy busy. I said it all the time. Wow, everything's busy. Uh, We'll get together when I'm not so busy. And then when I wasn't so busy, I didn't want to get together with anybody because I felt like, oh, well, I don't really have anything to say because All of a sudden, most of my consulting business went down the toilet through a difference just in political climate, um, and they didn't need the services I offered. And it happened literally overnight. I I didn't see it coming. So I I really didn't have time to think about, I wonder who I'm going to be or how am I going to change to adapt to a new situation? It just literally kind of like this, a shock to the system, and you're like, wow, this hurts. What do I do now? Yeah, and it, you know, there was, there was something interesting you, you just mentioned in regards to, you know, we certainly touched on how we're defined by our career and our work and how that shapes and, and uh, almost controls the conversation um, because in some ways it's easy to talk about. But the other thing that, uh, you know, the rabbit hole that, that we go down often is, is the parent uh, rabbit hole and how you know, we're sometimes defined by that. And I've, you know, I've spoken to quite a few people that, you know, find themselves uh, empty nesters. And, and now how do you define yourself? Obviously, you're still a parent. And hopefully, you're still, you're still in your kids' lives and, and, uh, and vice versa. Um, but it changes the narrative and it changes the conversation. And, you know, maybe not exactly the same as, as a career would or a change in career. But certainly, you know, we define ourselves by these boxes that we put ourselves in. And I find that really limiting. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just fascinating to kind of, I guess, peel away that, that layer a little bit and look beyond. And um, at the same time, I feel that, uh, you know, there are people that have done a really, really good job to, uh, to put up some walls and barriers to make sure that, you know, most of us will never get to see behind that wall, behind that career, behind that polished facade. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that to me is, is where, you know, the real human being starts is, is who are you outside of work? That, that's um, right. And that's why when all of a sudden I had time, the last thing I wanted to do was call a friend. It was bizarre because I did not feel proud of myself. It was a bizarre situation that even though I was still educated, I still was working. I just had lost most of the contracts. But I still had one or two. But to me, that didn't feel like enough. And I, I didn't have to tell anybody. Nobody was counting my contracts. Nobody was mm. looking at my pay stubs or my invoices. But I felt like I can't fake it. Like I, I, I just can't organize in my mind the person that was frantic and busy and running with the person that could go, yeah, I've got an hour and a half to meet you for lunch. But what am I going to talk about? And then to your point about our our children, what I have found, and I think many of us have found, um, my children being almost 18 and will be going to university next year and another uh, is 20 and has just finished his second year, is that because of the busyness of life and because of the um, extracurricular activities my children chose, which were very intense and time-consuming, what I found, and I think many of us of us find is that your social life just naturally starts to evolve around the parents that are um, the, the other teammates, parents or the other dance moms, not because you've thought it through, but because that's literally where you are all the time. You're going away for tournaments. You're spending all day Saturday at the dance studio. You're helping make costumes. You're at a hockey game on Friday night and all the parents are like, let's go to Boston pizza. So you kind of, or for me, I gradually lost a lot of strong connection with the outside of the kid friends because my kids took up so much time and I was with the other group so much and genuinely liked very much many of those parents but as the kids grew up and the kids moved on to different things we as parents just naturally lost that connection and I'm finding now the people that I have seen saw for years every week and in the spring with spring hockey and in the summer with camps I I I, there's some that I haven't seen in years if it wasn't for Facebook it's Unbelievable. And so then you regroup and go, who do I reach out to as my friends? Is it my childhood friends? Is it my early career friends? Or do I, at 50, join a book club, join a gym, (laughs) join cooking classes, and meet new friends? Yeah, wow. You you circled back around to a lot of things. And I think, you know, and I'm I'm really glad you shared that because I feel that that is, you know, where a lot of us are, are finding ourselves. Um, you know, as a, as a father of a, of a younger child who's, who's also in hockey and, uh, you know, I, I love, I love my, my fellow hockey parents, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I guess just by virtue of potentially um, changing age groups and changing teams, mm-hmm. um, you know, I certainly don't expect to be around the same parents for the next oh, I don't know, five or 10 years. Um, 
and, I, and when I say 10, I'm, I'm probably expecting he'll make the NHL, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you and all the parents will be sitting behind the net. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we, we certainly do have an expectation that, uh, that friendships never change and yet they do. Yes. And, and the, uh, the unifying um, or the, the perception of, of the unifying uh, thing that's out there is social media. Yes. And, uh, you know, I have certainly caught myself in, um, you know, believing that I was uh, staying in touch with friends through Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly one of the things that I have done a lot is, is moved all over the country and, uh, and felt Facebook was a great way to stay in touch. Mm-hmm. And indeed, you know, I, I feel as though I'm still connected to, uh, to friends all over the world. Um, including, you know, a, a childhood friend from, from kindergarten mm-hmm. that uh, is traveling through Morocco at this time and is stuck in a, in a oh, campground right no. now. So certainly feel connected. And yet, you know, was that the kind of friend that I would call to count on um, to, to, to uh, go very deep on, on some personal level? I'm not sure. Um, you know, we have a lot in common, including our age and, and maybe some lived experience. But yeah, um, you know, I think as we as we go into midlife, and and certainly one of the things, uh, and I'll certainly ask you this as ask you to comment on this as well. Um, one of the things that I ask myself is, so I've come this far in my life um, with the friendships that I've made, and I I love the friendships and experiences that I have had, and. I don't know if I would change a whole lot. I'm, I'm, I've lived a really charmed life. Um, but who am I going to spend the next 50 years with? Hmm. How is that going to look? And that is certainly a question that, you know, I don't know if, <laughs> if I want to have the next 50 years uh, simply just connected through Facebook. Mm-hmm. And as we're going through this very interesting time of social distancing and isolation, mm-hmm. And Zoom meetings, and you know, you and I are having this virtual conversation yeah. um, that I would, you know, honestly prefer to have in person uh, and, and and share a cup of, of tea or coffee. <laughs> um, it 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 leaves us with a lot of questions as to how things are going to look. And I found myself really longing for a Zoom conversation with the cameras turned on. Believe it or not. Um, uh, last thing I wanted anyone to see was my, uh, was my self-isolation, um, hairdo that, uh, you know, it was almost back to the eighties Kentucky waterfall in the back. Um, but, uh, I, I really miss that connection. And I find myself even on, on evening walks where, you know, I'm literally across the street from the next person shouting across the street and, and, and shouting hello. Yeah get a reaction yeah I did that this morning went out for a walk and literally and yesterday as well made eye contact with every single person that walked by and said hi I just had to I think and I, I was thinking I'm a friendly person but I don't think I used to do that with the 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 compelling feeling that I have had recently, I have to make eye contact with you. I have to wave to you. 
Yes, exactly. And I, and I think uh, part of me is almost embarrassed. You know, we used to, uh, and it's funny because we used to, uh, it was almost like a social construct that, you know, if you um, veered 10 feet away from the person and went across the road as you were meeting them on the sidewalk, um, that was, (laughs) that was kind of shameful. That was kind of rude and shameful behavior. Whereas as now, you know, the opposite is true. And, uh, and yes, I want to make eye contact and I almost feel like, like saying, I'm really sorry that I have to walk this far away from you. Right. (laughs) And now the polite thing is when I see somebody coming toward me, particularly if they're elderly, I go out of my way to be the one to move over or even onto the grass off the sidewalk so they can keep going, but that they feel confident and comfortable that I'm sufficiently far away from them. Whereas, yeah, it would have been totally bizarre or rude that every time somebody comes near you, you literally get off the sidewalk. And it does, it does make me wonder. It, it really makes me wonder where we will end up, yeah. how, how this is going to look, yeah. um, you know, down the road, whether we'll go back to, uh, you know, the 1900s where we'll, uh, we'll curtsy each other just to have some sort of social graces yeah. uh, go, going forward. And I, and I um, think where about we... in a blink, like a year and a half ago, maybe two and a half years ago, the kids and I were in New York City at Christmas time. What a relaxing time to hit New York City. And it was Mm. so packed everywhere you went that you could literally like put your hand in somebody else's pocket. They're they're You're so enclosed. And that was the norm. That was the norm that you're like, okay, kids, let's go out there and go get a bagel and us and 4,000 other people are going to walk down fifth Avenue right now, all at the same time. You know, as a and it, it, it's interesting you say that as a as a farm kid uh, growing up, I was certainly certainly used to uh, to spending time alone and to uh, and to having space. Mm-hmm. And I find I'm I'm oddly drawn to crowds because it's kind of unique and new and interesting, and it's not something that that I uh, you know would have encountered a lot of. Right. Uh, so traveling to me was just fascinating to see how other people live. And yet suddenly now we're all in this kind of strange um, world where we're, you know, we're really spending a lot of time on our own and, and we're all finding different ways to reach out. And yet I do wonder, you know, even though it's not, it's not my preferred state of being to be in big crowds, mm-hmm. I do wonder how some of those people that are so used to, you know, they get up in the morning, they're on a crowded yes. subway to work. They're in, in, a, in a cubicle office. They're in, they have, you know, almost people touching them all day long. Constant stimulation. Constant. Yeah, that must be a lot of withdrawal. I, I would um, think, and, and, and that's a good point because even when we came back from New York City, having been there only a week, I, I, I felt hyper, hyper stimulated and I did feel a weird withdrawal. And that was only after a week. And imagine further, you're in a high density population and you're in a tiny space. And you look outside mm-hmm. and you're used to seeing the cabs going by and the honking and the people running by. And you look outside and you see almost nothing and you look around and maybe you're in 300 square feet. Maybe you're in less. 
it, it's got to feel like prison in some ways. Um, or at least, you know, in your mind, it's just such a huge adaptation of, of solitary. You know, I, um, I've seen the pictures of Italy and Spain and some of the apartments and, uh, you know, people, <laughs> people hoisting their dog down by, uh, by the, by the leash to, uh, to let him go for a quote unquote walk yeah. as, as they're hanging on to him from the balcony. Um, you know, there's certainly people that have been, uh, stuck in their homes for a long time. Right. And, uh, I am absolutely amazed at the resilience that people have in terms of, um, you know, ma- maintaining some sense of sanity. And as much as, you know, as much as I've just spent some time harping on, on, on the, the pitfalls of social media, mm-hmm. I do think there are some good things that we are able to stay somewhat connected. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine doing this. Um, and my son and I watched a, <laughs> watched a, a, a 70s show, Smoking the Bandit, last night. And uh, they actually had a rotary telephone. Very worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it was. And they actually had a had a rotary telephone. Yeah. And uh, and and he was asking, "Well, Dad, how do you even use that?" So I can't even imagine, um, you know, if if we had to somehow stay connected just just by phone, yeah. Um, without without the benefit of the internet and and being able to write emails or quick text message and. And I'm, I'm frankly, I'm, I'm amazed um, and, and very, you know, one of my fears early on was that we would lose, um, I, I'm, I'm probably going to get called out by some now for calling these essential services, but um, I do consider the internet an essential service now because oh, it is the way we are connected. Yes. And, and power and water, mm-hmm. I was... Um, I was a little fearful that uh, that that we would we would potentially lose that. So very happy that everything stayed on and we're able to stay connected. And with the a, a massive increased requirement for using um, technology through, you know, whether it's remote medical services, consulting with your physician, or as you say, so many of us working from home needing to connect in with our workforce. Imagine the impact on, I don't even know what the word is, bandwidth. And, and I've noticed my computer slower, but it sure hasn't shut down on me. I've, I've still been able to get on, access the information I need. Like, what a blessing Like that our kids can stay in touch with their kids, with, in my case, their teachers, uh, my, my daughters with her dance teachers, and, you know, myself just keeping up to date on information and participating in meetings, the anxiety that I would feel if I, now that I'm used to being able to get on to these uh, different platforms, that would certainly escalate my anxiety right now. And particularly if I was a kid and all I've ever known is this is how you talk to people. You make a, you make a great point. Um, you know, it's exactly what we're, what we're used to. And uh you know, it's it, it's interesting when I when I started to, when I started my career to to uh, talk about career for a second again. Mm. Um, you know, I certainly I I didn't even have a cell phone. Um, that's how old I am, I guess. <laughs> and uh, and I would have to stop as a traveling salesman. And and no, I didn't sell shoes. 
But as a traveling salesman, I would have to stop in every town, find the payphone, and call back to the administrative person. And uh, I believe today's administrative day. So thank you to all those administrative hardworking people. Yes. Um, but I would have to call in and, and, and get messages. Yes. And then, of course, have a notepad and write that down. And then spend time on that payphone returning calls as need be. And back then, we would have to make sure that we were on time for meetings. Yes. And, and, and somehow we managed. Um, or how, it, about, how about, did you ever have to sweet talk the secretary to pretend that you weren't in the office because you wanted to avoid a phone call? <laughs> and you didn't want I, I, you I, wanted her to write on that pink slip and put it in your little cubby and you like she I'm, had to like you otherwise she would forward you the call and you're like I'm not here I'm not sure that I want to admit to that but maybe <laughs> but that's when we used to have human to human to human transactions very very true yeah. um and uh we, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, we're, we are pretty spoiled. Um, and I would have, you know, some of my rural friends would, uh, you know, are probably shouting at clouds right now to hear me say that, that we are, you know, we are better connected than we, we had ever been. Um, you know, certainly during this time, yeah. I would say they're really noticing the shortfalls in, in connection. Yes. And, um, you know, in terms of this homeschooling and everything else, yeah. They are struggling uh, getting enough bandwidth. And in some cases, um, and, and this is going to be a good segue, uh, certainly up in our yes. northern and remote communities. Devastating, um, devastating impact. Yeah, they're they are struggling to, uh, to stay in touch. Um, but to say, um, you know, from friends that I've seen on, on Facebook that are living up north, they are um staying uh you know in, in great spirits and um you know this time of year in the north is just magical in that you get more sunlight um you get to go out on the land um you know the animals the birds the fishing it is just a phenomenal time of year to be in the north um spring time in the north is probably my favorite time so <laughs> Uh, with with that said, um, we'll maybe transition a little bit into, you know, certainly when you and I have spoken before, one of the things that uh, kind of united us was our shared experience in travel. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly one of the things that uh, raised my eyebrows a little bit was your, your I was going to say your exposure to the North. I'm not sure if that's the right way to put it, <laughs> but your um, your experience in the north, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, just wondered if you can, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Well, like you, I've been um, worked and been in the eastern Arctic, but I started my career actually in the western Arctic, way up in Inuvik and then Yellowknife. Uh, in the last 20 years, I've worked mostly with um, northern communities in Alberta, Ontario, and Manitoba. And I would say that um, my perspective is not quite as beautiful right now in terms of what is probably going on because many of the communities that I have been in do not, there's no cell service. 
So although the teens and, and, you know, adults too, they, they all have their cell phones, they can only use Wi-Fi. And many homes do not have internet. So the kids mm-hmm. rely on going to the arena, the rec center, the band office, the health center, school, to get on Wi-Fi to connect. So now we've got kids in a situation where they don't have the internet in their home. They cannot go to a building to get Wi-Fi because those buildings are closed. Many are living in seriously overcrowded housing because there's not enough infrastructure. This has got to be an inordinately stressful time. And, and it sounds like an oxymoron, but I would imagine a very lonely time because it is possible to be in a crowded place and still be lonely because you're in a house with people of different generations, all of whom are probably highly stressed and sick of each other. And you cannot connect with the people you need, which is your peers, your friends, maybe your teachers people that you need and trust the most you can't connect to unless there's a little bit of easement and you're allowed to go out and maybe spend a bit of time on the land or go for a walk and say hi to other people I mean again we're supposed to be careful but we're not locked in our homes we're we're allowed to leave our house but with caution and we know in some of these communities there's times of the year where it's not safe to go out there's wildlife um there's just different reasons that it's not advisable to go out or only, you know, at certain periods of time. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very concerned about the health and well-being of our fellow Canadians living in northern rural, um, in isolated communities. And, and isolated, isolated can mean downtown Winnipeg, but I, I don't have enough money for a cell phone. Isolated could mean... I just moved to this country and I don't speak the language. And we have talked before about experiences, as you say, and I'm a military kid and I moved from Portage La Prairie population, maybe 13,000 to Heidelberg, (laughs) West Germany, where my father worked at NATO headquarters. So I went from a tiny town in Portage where I knew everyone in my age group and frankly thought I was pretty cool because I was a lifeguard at the outdoor pool Um, to a place where the high school had over a thousand kids. And I'm a Canadian in an international, mostly American school in Germany. So it's double, (laughs) double culture shock. And even though I speak the same language as our fellow Americans, the culture of high school was completely foreign to me. I literally didn't know that the football team and the cheerleaders wore their uniforms to school on Friday. I, I didn't know what a drill team was. I thought it was a rifle team, and it turns out it was a dance team that dances at the football wow. games. So culture shock, culture shock, culture shock. Imagine if I'm there now, and I don't know anyone, and I don't know the language, and I can't access the news because maybe... Maybe I can't afford a cell phone. You know, you're, you're so, yeah, you're so right. Like all the, uh, 
all the things that I mentioned earlier in regards to how wonderful it is that we're connected through the internet and through all our electronic devices, you know, certainly uh, <laughs> hashtag first, first world problems, as, right. as we would say, right. where um, we're so used to having that. Yeah. And I do remember moving to the north. And I remember, um, and once again, I'm dating myself. I was just getting ready to abandon my flip phone when we moved up north and to move to a smartphone. And uh, I, I was not a texter. I, um, you know, I used my phone to make phone calls. Yeah. And uh, as we were moving up north, I was time. It was ready for an upgrade. And, and I looked at the bright and shiny iPhone. And I thought, man, I got to have one of those. And then I realized that there was no cell service to the community that we were uh, going to move to. And I ended up buying an iPod, which is essentially an iPhone without the phone capabilities. Right. <laughs> so it seemed like a bit of a boat anchor, but uh, there was no point in buying a cell phone. Right. And it was marvelous. Uh, it was marvelous not being at people's beck and call, um, at, at literally you know, having to show up uh, when you made appointments and, um, you know, I started um, jumping on Twitter at that point um, because Twitter to me became kind of my news outlet up north. It was, you know, people posted uh, flight delays mm -hmm. and blizzards and issues on Twitter before anything else. Right. And, you know, even, even today we're, we're, you know, we're, we're having discussions uh, in regards to current events as to why, you know, uh, our CMP, et cetera, are using Twitter instead of other communication tools because it is so effective. Right. But you make such a great point in what if you can't connect? What if you can't connect? You know, yeah. Yeah. Literally, your entire community, there's no cell mm -hmm. service. And I, um, about a year ago, I was up in Lynn Lake doing some work with Marcel Colomb First Nation. I was there a week and every night I'd go back to my little rental room and it was in a, in a, a standalone house and there was no Wi-Fi, and I didn't have data. And every night I'd be like, <laughs> I wonder what I'm missing right now. Like a feeling of panic and anxiety. And it's only a few days. And I know that when I go back to the hospital the next day, I'm going to have Wi-Fi again. It's just go to bed. You're fine. It'll be okay. But what if it's not? What if it's like this now and you know things are very much not okay, but how do you communicate and find out? Nobody has a landline anymore in their home. Not in the north anyway. They Many never did. Yeah. You make a great point in that, you know, it seems counterintuitive that uh, what calms our anxiety is being able to connect. Yeah to the very thing that causes us anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, the lack uh, of control over it now. It's the feeling of, but what if I need it? Because we're so used to it. And isn't it interesting how quickly we get used to things? Because I can tell you, I think it was 19, no, it was 2007, and I was visiting a friend of mine in Texas, and I remember saying to her, because I think I had a flip phone at best, and 
she said something about texting. And I remember saying, I don't understand. Like, wh- why would you text someone? Why wouldn't you just phone them? And she said, she had to make a really practical reason. She said, well, like saying, I'm in a meeting at the hospital and you need to text me and say, I'm going to be late picking you up. I literally could not think of a reason that I just wouldn't phone you. And then that dates back to 1993 when I did my first graduate degree. Queen's University, a young prof, says to us, we're all doing a master's in public admin. We all think we're really brilliant. His, hall, his, his office is down the hall. And he says, okay, you guys are going to, we're going to write briefing notes. We're going to practice writing briefing notes and you're going to email them to me. And we're all like, what do you mean we're going to email them to you? He's like, yeah, <laughs> you're going to go to the computer lab. You're going to write up your briefing note and you're going to email it to me. And we're like, but your office is closer than the computer lab. Why can't I just give you the piece of paper? It was so head scratchingly foreign. And we're like, who is this young dude? What is he talking about? I just want to give you a piece of paper and you want me to use this thing called electronic mail. That's 1993. Very, I. I do remember that time in university as well when we when we had to send things electronically. We all had shared computers and yeah, wow. Yeah, the old computer I, lab. Does that even exist? Is that even a thing? <laughs> I don't think so. And I think uh, Pro and uh, Dot Matrix has gone on yeah, yeah. away as well. Exactly. <laughs> oh, memories. Yeah. You, you do bring up an interesting. Uh, a conversation, I guess I'll call it, or, or debate, maybe, um, in that there seems to be a bit of a generational divide. Well, I don't, I don't know if "divide" is even the right word, but um, and it and it seems to depend on how much exposure to, you know, electronics that we've had, um, you know, and, and there's always that, you know, "okay, boomer" uh, yeah. <laughs> reply. Yeah. You know, and I, and I wonder whether even this time has changed the way we interact. Um, I've had I've had it said that um, to expect someone to call you back is a very selfish act. Uh, in other words, it's all about me. When I, I expect you to call, I expect to have a hundred percent of your attention and your time when you're on the phone with me. Right. Whereas. Uh, when I'm texting or when you're texting, you know, you can multitask, you can do a number of different things. So there are many people that prefer texting. Mm-hmm. And I find I'm not the fastest typer on my phone. I find texting almost cumbersome. And yet I find myself multitasking when I'm texting or I'll text when I'm in a room where there's other people where I obviously cannot or should not be on the phone. Right. I probably should not be texting either. <laughs> um, and, and I've had, uh, I've had a friend of mine say, well, why don't you just use the talk to text function? Mm-hmm. And I thought, why don't I just pick up the phone and call you? Right. <laughs> so, so it's, uh, it's an interesting time that we're living in and I would never have expected that we would be texting as much as we are. Never. You know, certainly, certainly back when I had my flip phone and I had to press the same button three times, 
I didn't think we would. <laughs> um, no. But, and, and but here we are. Point, I have done that because I don't like to type either. So I will dictate and then I will review and say and see that because the way I speak, half the words are mangled. They don't make sense. <laughs> and so then I go in and then I retype. And then I'm terrible at typing, so I keep repeating the same mistake over and over, get frustrated, and to your point, I could have called 20 people in the time it took me to dictate, fix, yell, fix, try to send, and then review again and go, yeah, nothing I wanted to say actually came through. And yet, that is our default now, as opposed to pick up the phone. It would be even with my kids. If I phone them and they answer, every time I'm like, oh, my God, you answered. <laughs> like, I'm just shocked that they will pick it up because generally they won't. And then they'll text and go, what do you want? I'm like, I want to hear your voice. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, <sighs> It, it, it is it is a new way of, of experiencing things. And I've even had, uh, you know, people question um, because we are so connected. Yeah. Um, I've had someone say, well, I just, you know, and it's almost like when you're, you know, when your parents first got a fax machine and they mm-hmm. would send a fax and then call you to see if you got it. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like that. Hey, I sent you an email. Yes. Did you read it yet? And, it, and the expectation <laughs> is that it's, it's almost instantaneous like a text. That's right. And I, and I often respond by saying, um, it's mail. And, you know, we're so used to instant gratification, instant feedback. Yeah. Uh, it's not a text. <laughs> it's mail. I'll get to it when I get to it. Um, and isn't it interesting how quickly, how quickly we have been trained psychologically that a minute or two, seems like a long time and then you start going did i say something wrong (gasps) are they mad at me let me review that message again was i rude to my boss did i say something wrong to my partner or my sister no they're doing the laundry they're mowing the lawn they're in a meeting or maybe they're charging their phone but the gap between um us reaching out and expecting a, a response seems to keep getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And then, as you say, there's a follow-up. Hey, I sent you Yeah, I know, because you sent it to the same number that you're sending the next text to now. So, obviously, I got <laughs> it because I'm still at this number. But I'm busy, and it's not about you. But technology, kind of like what I was saying about in the old days quote when we'd beg the secretary to say we were in a meeting technology has become both our shield and our enabler and our pathway to instant contact with anyone and everyone or so we think and and it's starting to feel odd when somebody goes i turn my notifiers off at night or during the day when i've got a project due i literally have it it's all tr- I can't hear it because that, I don't want that distraction of bing 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 because I don't have time to answer so I don't want to be distracted wondering oh should I take a look at that and many people find mm-hmm. that unusual 
when I say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the phone or I didn't know you sent me a text because I literally turned the phone over and turned the sound off because I'm on a deadline. So is it still acceptable, you know, years ago, um, my bosses who uh, worked in a different time zone in a different uh, state that I did, um, you know, generally you could expect them. And I can't remember which I believe it would have been, um, you know, the phone would ring in the morning and then in the afternoon they would have their phones turned off. So if you called them in the afternoon, you probably, you know, it was, it was unreasonable to expect a return phone call right. that afternoon. Um, unless you figure out a way to make it really right. urgent. Um, but, uh, you know, that was quite acceptable uh, because it was recognized that, um, you know, to your point, you had to focus and concentrate and, and get work done. Um, I'm not sure if that's still the case. Um, you know, I've had uh, people tell me that, you know, I've been trying to get a hold of you for 20 minutes. <laughs> And it's just, uh, and and heaven forbid, uh, we we have biological yeah. needs that uh, that interfere with that. So, um, it it's it's a very interesting mm-hmm. time that we're in. Absolutely, and it's just that constant heightened sense of urgency. Everything's urgent. Everything, yeah. I, I mean, what the old days when we used to mail letters when I was in Germany. I couldn't afford to make international phone calls. I'd mail letters to my friends in Portage. And then they'd mail me a letter back. And if I got a letter back in two weeks, wow, that was quick turnaround. Imagine now. Imagine it was, it was now pretty awesome. That you would text and you in two weeks texted me back. I'd be like, first thing I'd say is, you were ghosting me. I'm upset. I'm offended. <laughs> Right? Whereas two weeks before, it was like, oh my well, God, he must love me. He sent me a letter back right, right away. Do you remember the uh, the paper that was written on? The uh, the very yep. thin um, airmail paper mm-hmm. so that you, uh, yeah, so that you could uh, sneak Absolutely. under the whatever the, I forget what the weight limit was. Yeah, and, and you wrote on, on yep. all the margins and on both sides. and Yep, and then very, you have the little yeah. red sticker, airmail. Air it was so exciting. And we, we, tried to, and we tried to be careful about what we wrote about as well, right? I mean, it wasn't so much, um, I don't know, current events or, or things that I, I, need to, I need an answer for right now. It was, Our I think feelings. we got into, <laughs> I was just going to say, dare I say, feelings. And and we, we we delved a little deeper, whereas now I don't know if I want to say we're a little more superficial. Is that the right way? Could be. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting things that I encountered on my on my travels is I, I ran into a, a, a really avid hiker. And uh, you know, this goes back in, in history a little bit, but uh, it literally goes back to, you know, the last time the world changed, kind of like it's changing mm-hmm. now to nine eleven. And uh, they were just embarking on, a, on an epic hike in the backcountry in Newfoundland. And um, so they had obviously just, you know, gone through the, the week of turmoil and news and, and, and things that kind of settled out again a bit. And I think Newfoundland restarted and the planes got up in the air again. And, and as they were hiking into this trailhead, these people were hiking out. And uh, they were hiking out after being 
you know, in the back country for two weeks. And so they stopped and had a little chat and this was before social distancing. So yeah. <laughs> they were able to exchange more yeah. than just, uh, just glances. And uh, they said, Hey, you know, what's new? We've been totally disconnected for two weeks. And I remember my friend saying, I, I, I can't even explain this. I don't even right. know how to, where to start. Just uh, suffice to say that, that, yeah. that the world has changed. And, um, you know, I, I, I do wonder, um, I, uh, I don't think any, anyone, I don't think there's anyone left on earth, or well, maybe there would be, um, that hasn't heard right. about what's going on. But, um, you know, I guess to, to kind of wrap things up, Cynthia, is, is, you know, with all that we've just mm-hmm. talked about and touched on, I would love to get your view on where you think we're going um, you know, just kind of if, if your, your future vision for the next, you know, one, one of my favorite questions is always, where do you see yourself five years from now? And of course, to me, that's always a trick question because I, I'm not that smart. I, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and recent events are, are proof yeah. that things can change in a minute. But how do you feel this will, will change how we interact and, and how we maybe communicate going forward? I think that's a really, I think I'm still grappling with it because there's, there's other things I think that we're, we're, we're learning how to maybe be more resourceful. Um, Maybe we're learning more how to be in the moment. Maybe we're learning more Mm. about what we need and what we don't need. And I think about for myself, even though for 20 years, my office has been in my home. I am one of those people that um, could go weeks if it weren't for my children without seeing anyone. And yet I worked nonstop because I worked remotely for clients in the north. So I'm already adapted to being in the house. My, My business is always here, trying to train myself to turn off the work. Um, and so I've been through that, but I've always been busy and on the run too. And one thing that I have realized, and I wonder if others are, is all those things that I would buy without thinking about it, I don't need them. I've been in my house for five weeks and not once have I been like, where's that pink cashmere sweater that I had to have? Where is... Whatever item that I spent maybe recklessly on or treated myself to or 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 just had to have, and yet I've been here for five weeks, and not once have I said, "Boy, I'd feel better if I used it, put it on, or bought another one i I for all the online shopping that's available, haven't wanted anything. So it's interesting, too. I wonder if it's impacted our consumerism. I wonder if I'm not somebody who's ever ordered food in. I've never used skip the dishes in my life. But I know that people use that routinely. And I know at the beginning of this, it was almost a little bit because nobody knew what was coming. It was almost a little bit like this is a little bit fun in the beginning because we thought it was going to be maybe a four day long weekend. It really was hard to fathom the impact. (laughs) 
And now people are, of course, yes. you've got to be more careful with your money. There's more uncertainty and you're home. So why wouldn't I just cook? So I wonder what that's going to look like. Are we going to go back to the days of, hey, everybody, which we did in the north all the time. Let's have a potluck. Come to my house, bring a dish. Let's keep it casual and not go out to restaurants as much and really value and cherish that time when we do go out to restaurants because Maybe it's not as much a part of our just rushed life. Maybe it's, wow, I really miss this, but I don't need to do it every day. So I I do wonder how our values and perspectives have changed. And if we've had a chance with all of the stress and anxiety, so I don't want to make it sound too Pollyanna-ish, but I, I do wonder if we have had time to kind of reflect on what really mattered to me now. What am I so glad that I have here in my home or in my life or that I made an effort to connect with or keep a connection with and what things have kind of let me down? Who did I maybe think I'd hear from in a time of crisis and I, and I didn't, or I didn't reach out to what, what, what let me down? What impressed me? What made me feel good? And what am I kind of indifferent to that? I really thought I needed. So I think all of us, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think all of us will have a different perspective. So it's hard to answer globally. What do I think it'll look like? But I think a global answer might be that we will all have changed. And I think hopefully in some ways for the good, but the reality is there has been a lot of stress and trauma. So a lot of us are going to need to continue to rely on each other and connect with each other and talk about how we're feeling and what we need going forward. I, wow, that was, that was very well put. I hope that, uh, you know, out of all of this and, and you touched on consumerism, um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, we tried to fill that, that, that hole in our, dare I say, in our hearts or in our souls with purchasing something Absolutely. to make ourselves feel better. And, and, and whether that was, you know, temporary or, or short term, or, you know, we've all, we've all bought the ice cream or the, or the milkshake or the whatever and, uh, and savored it and, and loved it. And did we need it? Absolutely not. But, uh, you know, was yeah. it good? Yes. And, and some of us have made other purchases um, that, that aren't needed, but, uh, you know, help to, change our mood, make us feel better. And I, and I hope and trust that maybe that sort of consumerism, that, that emotional uh, stress consumerism um, maybe we'll Mm -hmm. do less of that. I think we'll always do some of it. And then, boy, I love your vision of, of that, of that community potluck. If there's anything, you know, out of this that has been kind of bizarre is that, you know, I would have loved to have, you know, a street mm-hmm. party or something like that, but, but we can't. But the communal part of this issue is that mm-hmm. we're all in it together. Even though we're stuck mm-hmm. in our individual houses, I don't think anybody's scared um, in, in, in the social isolation. So, it, it, you know, it takes away that rich, poor, um, social class, whatever career we might have. We all have this shared experience and hopefully – it'll give us something to, you know, something to talk about at that next cocktail party when we don't yeah. really know how to answer. Yeah. Um, 
it, uh, it, it, it should give us, you know, something to unite us. And, and honestly, you know, kind of one more thing that that's being, being talked about certainly in, in my family is, you know, how do we, how do we maintain that connection to, you know, multiple generations and how, you know, what, mm-hmm. what does family mean? And, and, you know, how are we all getting along together? And, and, and maybe that dynamic will change mm-hmm. going forward. So I, I may have my rose colored glasses on, but I, I see some positive mm-hmm. changes come out of this. I, I agree. It's going to be a while um, for us to, dig ourselves yep. out if I can use that but uh, I think it'll be a good positive reconstruction is, is, is my hopeful it, prediction it, it, it really will be and it, I don't want to use a strong word like you know revolution or when you know there's industrialization but <laughs> the truth is that there are times in history when there are actual massive changes that happen to society that might be that are related to something that changed in manufacturing or something that changed in disease control or something that changed one aspect, but it actually ended up changing society. Very true. And, and this could be one of those moments, certainly. And I believe it is. Um, and what a and what an exciting time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> so so Cynthia, thank you so much. Um, thank you for being such a great guest for this inaugural podcast. And uh, thank you for you know sharing about yourself and 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 your outlook and and I'd like to think we did fairly well and 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 not delving into each other's careers too deeply and uh, hopefully we uh, you know, we shared some things that uh, our audience will connect with. Um, there will be an opportunity for uh, listeners to, to chime in and uh, certainly encourage all of those listening to, to do that. And uh, I am already looking forward to the next one. This has been great. My Thanks again. And with that, I will sign off and hope to see those of you that are listening on the next one. Take care of yourself and each other. Bye. Bye for now.